This is Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you, Stephen, for reading. When we say things like, I don't know how to do that, or I'm not sure anybody ever taught me what I needed to know there, or when we say, like, I, I don't think I do do it that well, or I'm not sure where I would start, or I don't really know the basics, or I have very little, little confidence, or I find this hard. What, what we're saying in those things, we're saying essentially that we need a teacher, we need someone to give us instruction. And I'm so grateful that God, in his grace, gives us teachers. And, and they help us. They, especially even as we're, we're walking with the Lord, like, there are basics we don't know. And teachers help us, like, lay out the basics. And teachers are the people that can say, like, let's... Let's try to make this simple so that you can grasp it and then build upon it. Teachers are going to say, do you understand what I'm saying? And then they're going to like pull that out and now you try, you do this. Now, how did that go? And this is the role that teachers play. As you heard those words, those first words in Luke 11, and I hope you keep your Bible open. In verse 1, Jesus is asked a question about praying and I, I hope some things, actually a couple of things stood out to you. I mean, think of it. Of all the things that the disciples could say, Jesus, we, we don't have our act completely together. We haven't arrived. Of all the things they could say, Lord, could you teach us to, they say, Lord, could you teach us to pray? Could you teach us how to do that? And it says for a couple reasons there in verse 1. One is it says that they had been they had noticed that John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, had taught his disciples to pray. So there must have been something significant about the way he taught or what he taught. But then they, they must have also observed that Jesus prayed. And there must have been something about the way he prayed that was different from anything else they had ever heard. Because surely they had heard people pray before and surely they had heard teaching about praying. But here... Fishermen and tax collectors and people from every walk of life are asking Jesus, will you teach us 
to pray, and Jesus takes the request. And good news, he answers it. He teaches them. In what follows in the remaining verses that we're looking at today, verses 1 to 13, he teaches disciples, followers, to pray. And it's so important that this is that we realize this is for every follower of Jesus. Are you a Bible expert? Are you a Bible novice? He teaches you how to pray. Have you been a believer a long time? Have you been a believer just a short time? He teaches you how to pray. Are you rich? Do you not have much money? He teaches you how to pray. Are you male or female? Whatever ethnicity, whatever nationality. Jesus doesn't prescribe a, a, a certain way of doing this that is for this group. This isn't even a, a, this isn't even a graduate or postgraduate. He, he teaches all of us these lessons in prayer. When I say teach, I don't mean that he gave a complicated workshop because he didn't. This is actually very, very straightforward. I'm, I'm sure that even as we read, there are going to be more questions that you have than answers in this passage. And I'm sure we won't cover every aspect, but when Jesus teaches here, this is not about cramming a bun- bunch of information in so that you can pass a test. Not that anybody ever does that, but assuming some people would do that. This is not actually how Jesus is teaching. This would be much more like in the trades, there's an apprentice, and it's not so much about information that you could regurgitate if you were ever called upon. This is about, let me show you how to do it. Now you do it. Let me, let me train you how to do this. There's a skill involved. And I, this is the burden. This is my goal. As I think about how our time will best be spent today, my biggest burden and goal is that you would be confident that God wants you to pray. And, and not just to have like a, yeah, I guess I know that. I guess he would. But I, I mean confident. Like you really know it in your heart that God wants you to pray. Because I believe if you understand that, if we can grasp that, I think you actually will pray more in the next 30 days than the last 30. If you take that to heart, what Jesus is teaching here, I think will help you pray more in the next 30 days than you have in the last 30 days. So as Jesus seeks to teach us, here's how he helps us with prayer. He answers some questions. One of the questions he has that you, he answers that you might ask is, what should I be praying for? And again, we're going to pull way back to the most simplest. I mean, this is what Jesus taught his disciples. What should I be asking God for? What should I be praying? It's a fair question. Are there some things that are out of bounds? Yeah, don't ask for that. Are there, are there lots of things inbounds? What are those things? Is there a script we're supposed to like follow meticulously in our prayer? What am I supposed to pray for? Is it a laundry list? Is it, do I stop at 50? Do I stop at 100? Am I supposed to pray mainly about things related to me? Or do I... No, no, no. You mainly pray about things related to others, never about you. I mean, how... What are things we are supposed to pray for? What should I be asking God for? Jesus, actually, in answer to that question, what should I be asking God for? He gives us words to say. So when you pray, Jesus says, say this. Say these words. And he gives us five requests. 
Five requests in Luke. If you read the version of what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, you'll, you'll get more. It'll be kind of a fuller picture. Luke is a little bit more condensed. But there are five requests that you can always, always, always ask your Father for. There are five requests, and I, and I want us to look at those. Do you see those in verses 2 to 4 here? He says, when you pray, say, Father... First request, hallowed be your name. Your name be set apart. God's name, his reputation, his character be honored, reveals who he is. Your kingdom come. You set the world as it should be. You, you bring your kingdom here. It'll always be right to pray with those two things in mind. But then the prayer moves not just to God, but to us, to our needs, to our, our sin and our guilt, and to our protection, our safety. Listen to how this shapes our heart. Give us this day our, our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So keep us alive with what we need and keep us forgiven and forgiving. And then lead us not into temptation. Keep us safe from certainly the, the devil, the evil one, but keep us safe from ourselves and how we might just totally blow up our own lives. Keep us safe. Lead us not into temptation. We have actual words to say, which does bring a question. So is that all we're supposed to say? Or do we, are we supposed to like use those words and just say those again and again? How many, how many times should you say it? Like three times a day or seven? And if you say them, does something magical start happening by just saying these words? Is that all prayer is supposed to be? And I, I, I want us to think about that. Because if you just think like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a couple magical words and then that'll kind of check the box for my prayer, you know, prayer duty. I, I've done it, you know, that's... Actually, I would not use the Lord's Prayer in that way if that's all it's going to mean to you is some sort of magical incantation. But yet, again, Jesus did tell us to say it and say these words. But could they form something more than just words we say and heap up again and again? Could they be, we slow down and we take in every word and every prepositional phrase and every article, and we, we think about them. You see, what it can be is this prayer can be a pattern. It's almost like you have a, a folder on your desk, the desktop of your computer, and you kind of open that folder, and then there's other folders and files. And I feel like each one of these requests represents something that you kind of click on, and it opens up more requests that we could pray there's a pattern. I mean, you can memorize these. And it's an entryway, these five things that you're always welcome to pray. What if we, when we got stuck, what if we found ourselves, if the last seven days of our praying was kind of sorry, kind of pathetic? What if the last month was? What if we found ourselves going, I don't, I don't really know what to pray, how to pray. I don't know that anybody ever taught me. What if Jesus himself in this moment teaches us? Says no one ever taught you? Well, now they have. Here's five things that you can always ask God for. What if that helped us overcome any ignorance? I don't know what to pray. Yes, you do. You do now. I, I, I feel stuck. I, I don't want to pray selfishly. Well, fishermen and tax collectors, and now you are invited to pray this. Pray these words before 
you know, it says something about us when we're not praying these things. So if I claim to be a follower of Jesus and Jesus says, my followers are going to pray about these things with these requests in mind, and I don't. I know we would never verbalize it, but if I could just give some shape to it, because I, I think it would be helpful. Jesus says, pray, hallowed be your name, but when I go days, weeks, months without doing that, could I be saying, actually, I'm not sure life is about you and your name, God. That really isn't my concern. I've got a higher agenda than your name being set apart, so why would I pray about that? When I, when I go periods of time without praying for God's kingdom to come, could I be saying that actually now I see many ways in which the world would be a better place without your kingdom coming, without your reign being here, without your will being done here? Like, no, no, I, I, can, I can think of a lot different ways. God's rule and God's reign... Actually, I don't think that's what's needed on this earth. Could we be saying that? I know we'd never verbalize it, but could, could our lack of praying these kinds of requests say that? When I, when I don't say, give me, Lord, my daily bread, am I basically saying, you know, I'll take care of myself. God, I, I'll take care of all my needs. God, I, I think I can do this relying 100% on my ability and my resources. When I don't ask for forgiveness, am I actually saying by not asking for forgiveness, am I saying, I can't think of one thing I need to ask you for forgiveness for? And if I do need to be forgiven, I, I think I'll just take care of that myself. I think I'll handle that. And then I'll just choose to live and think and feel in ways that need absolutely no forgiveness. When we don't say, lead us not into temptation, could it be that we think, yeah, I don't know that I need that much spiritual protection. I'll just be on guard and I'll navigate this world that may get a little crazy on my own. You see, when we turn it, we can hide behind a an excuse and say, the reason I don't pray, Curtis, I just don't know how. I'm not that good at it. I don't know what to say. I, I just don't. But we are saying something by doing that. And what if those excuses are ripped away and Jesus says, here's five things you can always ask your Heavenly Father for. So what Jesus is teaching is not something that we just kind of write in a notebook and file away and go, what an interesting lesson. Jesus, thank you. Gave me a lot of stuff to think about. What Jesus is wanting us to do is actually pray. So I do want like this passage to move us that direction. So can I kind of make a few suggestions how to apply this? I, I want to encourage you. Let's start here. What if you were to write down two or three things that seem challenging to you? So again, my whole goal is that we not just absorb information that seems what interesting or not. I mean. My goal is that we pray. So what if we were to write two or three things down that seem challenging to us? So it very well could be something personal. It could be related to others. It could be something bad. It could be something good, an opportunity. It could be something that's long-term. It could be something short-term. But something, like listen, something's on our mind today. 
Something may make it even hard to listen because it's on our mind and it's challenging us. It could be something very intense. It could be something, it's not that intense, it's dull, but it's there, it's present, it like never goes away. And what if I wrote down those two or three challenging things and then what if I took the five requests that I'm told by Jesus I can always make and what if I applied those to something on my mind? What if I tied them and, and see if any of these apply to this situation? So maybe the thing I wrote down, the thing that I'm thinking about, I go, actually, that, would, that could result in a request for spiritual protection, or that could be, God, would you give me exactly what I need? I'm praying, Lord, for you to supply the need, just as you told me to pray for daily bread, or, or maybe I pray God, this situation is an absolute mess and it's frustrating and it's discouraging and I don't see a pathway out. But maybe you take that as a pivot to say, Lord, I am, I am asking that somehow your name be set apart in this situation, in this mess. Or I'm asking for your kingdom, your rule, your reign to be present in this mess so that, because nothing good is going to happen if you don't come and work out things for your glory. You see how you could take the things that are challenging and burdening to you and unburden your soul with actual requests to the Lord. We will know we've learned what Jesus is teaching when we actually pray. Not when we think about it, but when we actually do it. The lesson isn't over here. Jesus gave us five requests, but I think... He knows our hearts and we're, we're not even with the words to say we still may not be convinced we can pray or should pray or still may not be motivated enough to pray. So Jesus actually doesn't stop there with words to say and repeat. He actually goes further than that. And he answers another question. And that question would be like, what should my approach be? So what should I be asking God for? That's the request. But now I'm talking much more about our approach. How should I be asking How should I be asking? What should my approach be? Are there any prerequisites before I even can approach? Are there qualifications before I can approach? Do I have to earn? Do I have to earn stock with God? And like when I've earned a certain bit, when I behaved enough, then yeah, then and only then, yeah, you can start asking for requests, but you've got to got to be here like six months. You got to be here like a year of doing mostly the right things before you ever think about, is that the way it works? What should my approach be? Should it be pretty formal? Am I like a, like I'm at a nonprofit writing a grant proposal and I got to get just the right words to just land that just right? Should I mainly make very few requests, but boy, make them count. Save it for the big stuff because that's when you're really going to need to put prayers up there. Or how does this work? How should my approach be? Actually, he gives us the image of exactly what our approach should be. And it's in the story that Stephen read a moment ago. It's in the story of a bold friend. That's the image he wants us to have. A bold friend. Look at that in verse 5 to 8. So he asks a question, the short story. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves? Well, what? What prompts anybody to knock on someone's door at midnight? He says, a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. So the man who has been asleep now is woken up. He answered from within, don't bother me. The door is shut. Like we're all in bed. The children are in bed. Like I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus says, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his impudence. And actually that word is not a word that we use regularly 
But the word actually is implying boldness, or some translations even say shamelessness. Like, there's the guy knocking at midnight, going, I've got, I got a problem, and I need you to help me. Because of that, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. The picture is, is a little bit different than uh, certainly suburban life, where I've grown up most of my life. So, nobody's knocking on the door saying, do you have a loaf of bread at midnight? Never happened to me. The, the culture is also another one, just because it's 2,000 years ago, and it's a different kind of culture. There's, an, there's another picture here of hospitality and shame and honor in this culture. Like, you... You have to take care of someone coming from a distance. You will open your home. There's no question whether you would do that. And you will provide a meal. I mean, in a day when there's not hotels, like you got to have, you got to give space. And some friends come from a long distance. You're going to open your, that's exactly what you're going to do. And you're going to have food. Oh, you don't have food? Well, you're going to find food. That is the way it would be done. There's a need he's going to get help. Be bold. Be bold in your asking, which is hard for some of us. And I'm grateful for how I was raised. I I was raised with definitely a self-sufficient streak where taught from a pretty early age, you don't need to ask people for things. You just do it yourself. And that can serve you in lots of areas really well in life. But in this one, I think it's something you're going to have to unlearn. Are you really going to say to God, I think I got it on my own. If you are, it will not help the relationship. Maybe something you have to unlearn and relearn, that stubborn, self-sufficient, independent streak really does not go well with what Jesus is teaching us about prayer. This is just helpful to like, not overcomplicate things. Sometimes we can, with prayer, Go, well, what about this? And what about this? And what, what about that? And what about, I mean, we could, what about this to the end, end of the day, going, making this overcomplicated when Jesus actually, do you see him simplifying? Going, yeah, surely there are tons of complexities when it comes to prayer. There, there are books written about this, but at some level we have to recognize it is not oversimplifying something. It, it is just rightly simplifying something to say you should be bold in going to your Heavenly Father. He's given you five requests you can ask for, like, Why would you not be bold when he's told you you can ask? Think of the best friend you've ever had. The best friend you've ever had. Wouldn't that friend want you to ask him or her for help? Like, and I think of best friends that I've had and I go, I know they would want me and I know that I could. I know that if I didn't ask for help, they would go, why didn't you? I didn't want to bother you. What are you talking about? Like, you should have called. I didn't, whatever time, like call. Whatever you think I'm dealing with, ask. And that is the picture we are meant to gain from this story. Just ask. Verse 9 and verse 10 take it even further. Like, I'll tell you, ask and it will be given to you. So it's not even just about all the stuff you can acquire, but now it's seek and you will find. It's, it's not just things you need, but it's also a, a quest, a pursuit. Seek and you will find Knock and the door will be open to you. It's a access into a relationship. You step across a threshold into a relationship, entrance into something that is access. By not praying, I'm, 
If I don't ask, I'm saying I have all that I need and you couldn't help me with it anyway. But that's not true. I have things that I really need from God. And so I ask. I am on a quest. Life is not static. In real time, I, I'm pursuing the Lord. I want to know Him better. I want to love others better. I'm pursuing hard. So I'm seeking. By not praying, could I be saying like, I'm not really interested in entering a deeper relationship with you, God, so I'm not going to knock. Ask, seek, knock. You see what Jesus is doing? He's teaching us. Can we build? So we started with the two to three challenging things. We are reminding ourselves that we can take five requests that we can always make, but now it goes even to another level. In light of those five requests, what are you going to ask God to do or to give? And they said, Curtis, that sounds like pretty bold. And yes, that's right. What are you going to ask God to do or to give? What request are you going to make? How are you going to ask? How are you going to seek? How are you going to knock? Or are you just going to sit and stew and let all that just rattle in your brain or in your heart? Or are you going to go to your heavenly father? I hate to bother him. Really? Jesus is pulling all that back and going, you, you will not have an excuse for why you would not go to our Heavenly Father. Again, we'll know we've learned something when we actually pray. And the lesson here is, here's another way Jesus helps us with our prayer. He answers another question. I think that question is, how will my request be received? I mean, so the picture of the, the story is helpful, like the man going boldly, that's helpful for the one asking, but this is like, who is, who is hearing my requests, our Heavenly Father in Heaven, and how are those requests going to be received? What does God do with them? Does He put them in a queue and answers them in the order in which they were received? I mean, is that the way it works? Or do, because you're so good, you're so important, you get to jump the line, or because you're not so good or you're not so important, you kind of are in the... I'll get to it when I can stack. I mean, is that the way those requests are received? Does he prioritize the really big ones? Like, I better help. I mean, is this the way it works? When a child prays before, I mean, how are those requests received? When you pray, how are those requests received? We have, we have one picture, and that would be the grumpy, sleepy friend, been woken up, go away. Okay, I guess I'll, ha- I'll help you if you, you know, we've got that picture. And actually, what this passage is saying, that's not like God answers prayer. So don't have that image in your mind. As if God is grumpy, you bothered him enough. He said, okay. That's not from this passage. Actually, your experience of prayer with the Heavenly Father is meant to be different. Look at verse 11. This is the way it should be. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, he's not going to give him a scorpion? Again, it takes us to a different culture. With, we, we might put different things in these, these places, but the message still would be the same. If he asks for an egg, is he, is he really going to give him a, a serpent or a scorpion? If you then who are evil, if you and me who are evil, not perfect like our Heavenly Father, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, well, how much more? How much more, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him?
God is better than that sleepy friend at midnight. And God is better than, can I say it this way, the crummy dad who at least can give a decent birthday present on occasion. Jesus uses the image of a generous father. He reminds us that you, you who are evil, I, I don't know that any of us like, like to wear that label, but if I, even on my best day as an earthly father, I have limits to what I can give. There's a limit on my disposition, on my attitude. You catch me in a bad mood, I'm not, I'm not feeling particularly generous. There's limits on what I can make and create. Like, I've got to go buy stuff. That's why I have Amazon Prime. I have limits on what I can just, like, make appear. I, I, I have limits on even how much I can get, how much I can spend. I have limits on what I know. Will this really be the perfect gift? I think it will be. I think it will be. But even on my best day, I'm still like, I, I think this is the right thing to give. I'm limited somewhat in how much I care. I can, and I can be selfish. And all of those limits, our Heavenly Father has zero of those limits. How much more? How much more? more. See if all the planets align, you catch me. If you ask when it's the right time, catch me in the right mood. You ask for the right thing in the right way, I just might, I just might give it to you. I will say there's one week out of the year. My kids know this. There's one week out of the year where I think this all comes together. That week, out of, one week out of the year is our vacation week. And so I actually like grocery shopping. I love vacation grocery shopping. I'm going down the aisle, and the kids know now. Oh, the kids know now. Like, can we get this? Can we get cookies? Can we get donuts? Can we get Coke? Can we get, and they know now. And I know they know this because they said, Dad, we love going grocery shopping with you vacation week. Why do you love that? And I remember one of our kids saying, because you always just say, throw it in the cart throw it in the cart. And now I don't even have to say it. I just like motion. Like, can we? Absolutely. Absolutely. One week out of the year, generous dad shows up. <laughs> throw it in the cart. We have a heavenly father who 100% knows what our needs are. Knows him, I mean, like literally, not just in 2021, but knows how to answer requests in such a way where 2031 will be better because of it. I mean, we have this kind of, this kind of Heavenly Father who has promised, who has told us, like, ask and seek and knock. So what is the posture of our Heavenly Father? Like, how will my request be received? When I, when I don't ask, I mean, am I, am I saying... I'm not going to ask because I don't think you'll be that generous. To have that, I'm going to have to just close this and go like, I, I guess I don't believe this. Because you've told me you want me to ask. How much more? How much more? Overcomes reluctance and cynicism. I love the picture too here. Did you notice it's, it takes an interesting turn in verse 13? So verse 13, it's Jesus Christ the Son praying to God the Father, 
And he says, how much more will the Father give, not just good things, but the Holy Spirit? Did you notice that? And and at first, that, that makes you, you have to take note of that. Like, okay, why the Holy Spirit? I remind you that Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I will ask the Father, and the Father will send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who's the personal presence of Jesus with us always. I will never leave you, Jesus can promise, because the Spirit comes, communicating to us the very real presence, not an energy, not a force, but a person. Which is, I think about it, that's exactly what I need. So Jesus has told us to ask, seek, and knock, and he's given us five requests, but Think about, in knocking, I want access. Who gives us access to God? The Holy Spirit provides us that access to God through Jesus. We pray in the Spirit. Paul tells us, I'm on this pursuit, on this quest of knowing God, knowing Him better, being known by Him. I'm seeking so that I could find And who is the one that guides me into all truth, leads me in the paths of righteousness? It's the Holy Spirit. Do I need forgiveness? The Spirit points me, my heart, to Jesus and what he did and then applies the work that Jesus did for me on the cross and in the resurrection, applies that to my heart. When I need protection because I don't want my soul to be lost, the Spirit is sealing my heart, guarding me. How much more will the Father... Like, he, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. I want my life to live in a way that the Father and the Son are honored, and here is the Spirit who constantly points to Father and points to the work of Jesus Christ. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Uh, Jesus didn't want us to just study prayer. He wanted us to pray, so... I might close out my encouragement. Yes, identify the two to three things. And yes, there are five requests you can always make. And yes, you ought to like boldly take those and make those requests. And then I think at the beginning and the ending of our prayer, not to overcomplicate it, but at the beginning when we're praying our Father and then think of in Jesus' name. As you think of those things, remind yourself at the beginning when you address the Father, hey, that's a great time to remind yourself of how generous God is. I can approach you, Lord, not because I've been so good, but I know you're generous. I know you want what's best for me. And then as we close out our prayers, we can pray them in Jesus' name, which isn't like a, a tagline that signals to everybody else that we're just about done. It's a, it's a reminder to our soul that Jesus has told us to pray like this. He's made it possible for us to go to the Father with that kind of boldness. He's our great high priest, so we ask it, yes, in Jesus' name. And we say, so be it, or we say, amen. Again, we could take inventory of all that. My whole desire is that we pray. So here's what I'd like us to do. I want to close our time with just a couple minutes of prayer. We're going to sing in in a moment. We're going to sing a prayer. But right now, I'd love for us just to be still before the Lord. We don't have a lot of time where we're still. (laughs) A lot of times, like, I got noise in, in my ears all the time. But now for this moment, could it be still? And for a couple minutes, maybe you just review what you've been writing. And maybe just, maybe you pray. You take it to the Lord. Then in a moment, Chris will lead us.